BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, guys, welcome to another episode of Porch Talk. We're back here at Relentless MMA, and I'm with Jake Reeves, the owner and um, coach, and about to be fighter, about to be boxing again. <laughs> That's right. So, Jake, how did all that come to be? Man, I, first off, I just want to say thanks for having me back on. Um, yeah, it's a blast coming on here, talking about what's going on up here and you know, with my fight career, but also with you know the gym. For most of you guys that know, have followed my career at any point, I didn't start boxing until last year. I'd been an MMA guy for a long time. I started to express some interest back about three years ago when I had hip surgery on my right hip and I wasn't able to kick and do jiu-jitsu as much. Okay. And so after that surgery, I, I kind of expressed some interest. You know, I'm thinking about maybe doing some pro boxing. And I had never boxed amateur yet before. Like, I had okay. never boxed amateur in my life. And so most people that box professionally, they've had a lot of amateur fights. But because I wasn't as worried about my boxing record as I am my MMA record, okay. I just didn't see a reason to. So, I, like, if I go in there and, you know, if, as long as I'm making some money mm-hmm. and getting a fight, I'm not as worried. You know, I, I'm cool with taking a couple more losses there. So all my amateur experience had been MMA and just training. And while I'd been working boxing for, you know, here right about 10 years now or more, uh, yeah, actually a little bit about 12 years now, I just never competed in, you know, strict boxing. Okay. And I was actually on a radio show that was on ESPN Radio, and they brought me and Oliver Miller in for uh, the Conor McGregor-Floyd Mayweather fight. They were talking to do us a about commentary. It. Yeah, we were doing a little like back and forth for MMA versus boxing, how we thought the fight was going to go, who our picks were, and we kind of got talking, and I expressed some interest to him. So when him and Sean Gates got together and started talking about putting a show on, I guess Oliver had talked to Sean about it. They're like, hey, well, let's go talk to Jake. And they came and talked to me about it and to see if I was interested and if it was something that I was interested in. And, of course, I was because I was still kind of healing off that hip surgery. So what MMA has sort of been – not out of the question, but yeah. Hatton has been how my priority list. And uh, so I, I thought it was a great way to get me back competing and just back in the ring uh, doing what I love. And so that's sort of how it came to be, man. And, and for this fight, they just contacted me again after I, I won my first fight. This will be my second professional boxing match. And I had won my first fight, and they just contacted me again. Um, I think I'll probably be headlining this card. I'll be the main event. 
Okay. Um, and who are you fighting? Anthony Stewart. He's out of Alabama. Um, real game opponent, man. He's going to be a tough fight for sure. Uh, he's, was, he said 40. I don't know his exact number of amateur odd. fights. I haven't seen it. Uh, a friend of mine said that they had talked to him and that he had said he had had like 30 to 40 amateur fights. Okay. Uh, boxing. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the exact number is or what that record was. Yeah. I just know that he's had a lot of experience in boxing. I know he's been boxing for a long time. He's about 37 years old okay. and been doing it for a long time. So it's going to be a tough fight for me for sure. So let me ask you this. like with, Let's just say I started training tomorrow. Right. And I wanted to get into the ring. Could I, like, I don't know, your situation was different. You kind of had some MMA. You had already been in the ring. Could right. I just, I won't be professional. Um, that really comes more down to the commission and the promoter than it does to anybody else. The commission has to sanction every bout. So um, the commission's going to look at you and look at your record and look at things and say, okay. And I don't have is, anything. So. Yeah, right. So they, they may or they may not. And they're also going to compare it to who your opponent is. Um, in this area and in every area, there has been a, a times that they've taken guys with no training and just turned them pro. Most of the time, though, and I'm, I don't want to be mean to anybody here, but most of the time they're putting you in there to be eaten. Yeah, that's the that's your job. Your job is to go in there and, and lose, take a pound, and get, and get eaten. And especially if you're local, they're going to try to sell some tickets with your name. Yeah, you know, get you to sell the tickets to your friends and family. You're an amateur, so they're not going to pay you most of the time. If you want to do pro, that you know, they may pay you a little bit, a couple hundred dollars. It's yeah. not going to be a lot, yeah. and they, um, you know, they're not going to. You're going to go in there and lose most of the time. Most right. of the time, not all the time, but but most of the time, if you're going into a, I mean, anytime you're going into a combat sport with no training, the chances you win it are not real good. I'm not saying it's impossible. There's always a puncher's chance, and there's some guys that are just real tough and gritty, but mm-hmm. it's pretty slim. I got you. Cool. So. With the, the first boxing match and now this one, and you have a heavy MMA background. Right. And this is some of the, the fan questions, and we'll get to our the Facebook questions and some of the Instagram questions, but and we'll get to those. That was cool. I, I saw some of those questions. I, those were good questions. And so we'll go ahead and get into one of them a little bit with the training. Mm-hmm. Is the differences in preparing for a mixed martial arts event or a, getting in the octagon versus for a boxing match. Right. Was it? Is there a huge difference? There is a pretty big difference. It's not. Um, it's not as significant as I feel like maybe a lot of people think. Uh, one big difference is before a boxing match, I don't do as much strength training. Um, I cut my strength training down considerably. But when I'm six weeks out from MMA fight, I cut my strength training down considerably as well. More more focused on my cardio. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to get very much strong, especially when you get like two three weeks out. You're not going to improve strength a lot in two or three weeks. So, you know, you, de- you decrease your, your any kind of strength training. Um, and strength usually isn't one of my issues. Usually my cardio is what I want to focus on as I lead in. Usually I'm – very rarely have I been overpowered. Usually it's, mm-hmm. you know, that if I'm overpowered it's because I'm exhausted. So I focus a little bit more cardio on both. The big issues are, number one, there's no ground, grappling, clinch fighting, cage work, which are huge parts of MMA. Right. You don't do any of that stuff. It's all hands. Um some of your angles change a little bit, so I get I start trying to get used to a little tighter angle when I'm cutting my angles um, to get in those those good positions. Mm-hmm. Um, I go into um, I throw higher volume with my hands as opposed to using my hands to set up my kicks or my takedowns. So I'm throwing higher volumes of punches. Just uh, you know, the biggest thing is just uh, um, the the distance. That's a big thing too. 
Whereas when MMA, if when the fight's like face to face and we get really close, you're usually clinching or going to the ground. Mm-hmm. In boxing, you have that infighting. So they can clinch and get the ref to break you, or you can stay in there and fight and, and, and be an inside fighter. And getting used to those differences, I think, are the biggest thing. It's not a huge difference. Um, I get a little burned out getting ready for boxing matches. I'm not going to lie. Because it's kind of... I get a little bored. Yeah. Yeah, I just... I'm, I'm a little... I get a little like, man, like, I sure wish I could... Throw a kick. Throw a knee. You know what I mean? Like, throw an elbow. It just... It gets a little repetitive. Like, okay, well, today... Whereas if I'm getting ready for an MMA fight, let's say Monday I'm going to work, you know, solely ground and pound. Like, we're doing grappling yeah. with punches. That's all we're doing. We're not going to do any stand-up on Monday. Tuesday, we're doing all boxing. Wednesday, we're going to do, you know, kickboxing with takedowns or we're going to do strength and conditioning, whatever. And every day is kind of something different. It's kind of uh, it's kind of more spontaneous. Not spontaneous, but it's, it's just a little bit more interesting. In boxing, it's more like, all right, I'm going to work power on the bag today. I'm going to work, you know, mitts tomorrow. I'm going to work sparring Wednesday and Friday. Or, you know, maybe a, a mixture of all three. I may yeah. do 10 rounds on the mitts and 10 rounds sparring. But at the end of the day, I'm still doing just throwing punches. And so that's a little bit, it gets a little repetitive. And I have to mix it up and I'll do some circuit training with some running mixed in there. But it's, it does get a, it's a little bit more boring. If I had more of a boxing coach that was working with me every day and like teaching me more about mm-hmm. boxing in every single session as opposed to just here and there when I go train with people. It would probably be a little bit more interesting, but yeah, for for me, I, you know, I, I enjoy it for six weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. But usually, when I get done, I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go to jujitsu now. I'm ready to go do muay thai. Like, I'm ready to do MMA. I'm, I don't want to, I don't want to punch anymore. Just punch anymore. I want right. I want to mix it up. So it is different. The other thing is with boxing is you're not using your muscles as much. There's not as much like grabbing and trying to pull people to the ground. Right. And so the way it taxes your body is a little different. So whereas it's a little bit more of a sprint in in mixed martial arts, in boxing you can sort of maintain your pace a little bit better mm-hmm. and and pick your shots a little more. You don't have to worry about getting grabbed and having to force somebody off of you. Right. The ref will separate it. Yeah. So some of those things are, are good, honestly. I like that. I don't have to use as much energy. Yeah. yeah, just talking with Landon a little bit earlier, I mean, just MMA kicks. Yeah. You could have literally your where you can't stand. Yeah, for or, sure. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've been there actually. Uh, funny story. I had a fight. I don't want to go into too much detail. I had a fight several years ago. I guess it's been almost ten years ago now. No, right at nine years. It was uh, two thousand and nine. I had a fight, and it was December two thousand nine, right before Christmas. And I got offered a an exhibition bout in mm-hmm. Birmingham. It was against a guy who was pro, and I had been training for not even a year yet. Okay. In, in MMA, and this guy was pro, and um. I took the fight on two days' notice. Is this Eric Anders? And no, it wasn't Eric Anders. This this was I, I've done this a lot actually. Okay. Um, this guy was Dustin Rhodes, um, and he still he still fights some, but hasn't done as much as Eric Anders has. But I took the fight on two days' notice, and in the fight I was doing well with him, but I threw a kick, and he had been tearing my lead leg up and just kicked it to death, and I I threw a kick, and he checked it with his knee. And my whole foot turned like completely black and swole up, and it, it was like, um, I like fractured a, a bone in my foot yeah. with, with the check. And so now I'm sitting here, and I like neither leg I can really put weight on. Yeah. And so I like dove for a takedown, ended up getting choked out. I lost that fight in the first round. <laughs> Not one of my better experiences in the cage, but it just goes to show the difference in some of the things that can happen. Yeah. Like getting your leg kicked out from under you, or getting a, a kick check. 
Yeah, like just being on the ground and just having to wrestle around or whatever. I mean, right. You're going to have a lot more strain on your muscles. Yeah. It's, it's a different type of cardio. Yeah. I'm not necessarily it's easier or harder, but it's different. It's a different type of cardio. And in MMA, you have to be ready to stand and throw hands and kicks, which is one type of cardio, or go to the ground and, and clinch and hold things tight. And, mm-hmm. and that's a more of an isometric, you know, control type conditioning. So it's it's you have to be ready for both in MMA. And I, I like I like the boxing where I – when I'm getting ready, I, I can just focus on one, one thing. Getting ready for you know running and hitting the bag and hitting mitts and sparring. Pretty much gets your cardio where it needs to be. And so with the sparring, uh, is you got somebody in house here you train with, or you typically just go to other gyms to train? I, I do both. Okay. I I've got my teammates here, who you know have been great and helped me out. We I probably had a little bit more support sparring for this one than I had did my last one, okay. just because I have more training partners now. But. Uh, I train with them, and then I also I, tra- I go to UFM in Tupelo. They've got a really good gym up there, and their gym focuses more on boxing than okay. ours does, whereas we're a Muay Thai gym. They focus a little bit hev- heavier on boxing, and so I go up there, and Grady Hurley, Hurley, he's their owner, and he's a professional boxer as well, as well as a, a, a successful MMA guy. And uh, he's been he actually comes down here some, and I've been going up there. I went up there for New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and trained with him, and he come, comes down here, you know, uh, periodically and hold, holds mitts and spars with me. So he's probably one of my better training partners, but you know, I've got a lot of guys that I, that I train with here as well. So mm-hmm. it's, it's a mixture for I sure. And so this would be, uh, it's at the Trotter. That's right. And so just as far as like experience with the Trotter, it's a pretty nice venue. It's a super nice venue actually. Yeah. It's a super nice venue for those. Uh, like if you don't, if you're not in the fight, like circuit and you're, you don't go to all the other venues, you may take for granted how nice the Trotter is. It's probably one of the nicest venues uh, on a local show that I fought in. I fought in some some really nice ones and I fought in some really crappy ones, but as far as just the, there's not a bad seat in the house in the Trotter. Right. The, the balcony's a great seat, the floor's a great seat. It's big enough you can get you know a couple thousand people in there that can all see well. It's nice. It's first class. It looks cool. The dressing rooms are nice. The back's nice. The bathrooms are nice. And when you've been on the, doing the fight, been in the fight game for you know ten plus years, and you you know I've been to some, you know I've had like tents outside that we fought in, and I've had you know which was fine. I mean it was it was a good it was still a good card, but I've had tents outside and I've had uh you know run down you know <laughs> crappy venues. So the Trotter actually is a super nice venue. I love fighting at the Trotter. It's my favorite venue probably. Really? Yeah. Which is at home too. Yeah. So that definitely it's like it home helps. field for me. So I'm a little biased. It definitely helps. But it, I mean, I love it here. I love fighting at the Trotter. 18th on Friday. So you can get your tickets here at Relentless. Yes, please come come get them. Get them here. If you need, if you don't have a ride to get here, I will meet you. Hit us up on the Relentless Facebook page or on my Facebook page. Um, Jacob Taylor Reeves is my Facebook page. Hit me up. Tell me you need tickets. I will get with you. I'll, I'll bring them to you if you're. Anywhere near Columbus, I'll bring you your tickets. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but professional and amateur fighters, how we get paid and how they decide how much we get paid is based on, number one, what you, what's your record? But the biggest thing is, how many butts are you going to put in the seats? Mm-hmm. How, especially when you're fighting locally. Like, for instance, like they asked me if I wanted to headline this card, and if I don't, it's just because I didn't tell them. I was like, eh, I don't know, because I really don't want to headline it because I don't want to go last. I don't want to sit in the locker room all night, not getting to watch any of the fights, and then mm-hmm. you know I go on at ten, eleven o'clock. But the, there's way more experienced boxers on this card than me. There's people with a lot more fights than me. Mm-hmm. But I'm the only like local draw 
that really like is from Columbus and sells tickets that's on this card, you know, and that's the big thing. That's, that's the only reason that I had the option of even being the main event wasn't because I'm necessarily the best or most experienced boxer on the card. It's mm-hmm. just the fact that people around here know me and, and like to come see me fight. And I sell a lot of tickets. It's the same thing with Big Worm. He's from Kennedy, yep. where I'm from. Right. Anytime we see his name, whether you know, it was out at Fed at the co-op sometimes right. or here at the Trotter, right. we were going to go yeah. just because it was him. Uh, same, very similar with uh, with him. He he actually ended up being the co-main on my sh- on the show we put on, the MMA show a while back. He okay. ended up being the co-main. But, you know, the reason he got gets on that card and, and gets to fight and gets that co-main slot is the fact he's local and we know he's going to have people come watch him fight. And that's a big deal. I mean, yeah. that's a, that, and so, like, when they decide how much I'm going to make and how much they're going to pay me, it's based on how many tickets are you going to sell. Yeah. So if I'm not going to sell a whole bunch of tickets, then I'm not going to make a whole lot of money. Yeah. Whereas if I, you know, I sell 200, 300, 400 tickets, I'm going to make me a good little, a good little check. So that's, uh, you know, and if nothing else, even if you do have a, you know, a lot of times you'll be paid per round or you'll be paid win money, show money in MMA. But the next time when they book me again, it's, they're going to say, okay, well, we know you brought this much last time, so here's how much we'll pay you this time. So for sure, if you want tickets, hit me up. I will meet you. I want to sell those tickets. Meet, I'll meet you. I'll, you know, do whatever I have to do to get them to you. Yeah, and so on top of that, you got two undefeated professional records, both one and zero. That's right. So yeah, it's going to be a scrap. It's definitely going to be a tough fight. It's definitely going to be a scrap. I think that we're both heavy-handed enough that it could probably end in the first or second. But I definitely both think we're tough enough. I know he's going to be tough. I know he's going to be in great shape from everything I've heard about him. He trains really hard. He's in really great shape. So I'm training really hard because I'm going in with this. Whereas when I fought my last show, I was pretty confident it was going to end in the first or second. <laughs> with the, just honestly, I don't mean to sound cocky, but I knew that this the guy I was fighting had only been out of the first round like once or twice, and you know he was either going to win or lose it in the first round, yeah. and I was pretty sure I was going to finish him in the first round. This guy, I'm pretty sure um, it's going to be a four round scrap. We're going to go to the distance if we can't knock the other one out because I think we're both going to be in great shape. We're both going to be tough, and my mindset stepping into this fight is. I'm I'm coming into a war. I'm stepping in. He's he's going to be banging. I'm going to be banging, and we're going to go out on our shield. If 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 neither one of us is going to quit because we're tired, I don't think. And, and you see that with some fighters, even professionals. You'll see guys that you know they're getting the eight count. You can see they maybe weren't rocked, but they just right. they don't have any fight left in them. They don't want to be there anymore, so they stay down for the eight count. Me and this guy, we're going to go. To, we're we're if we go down, it's because we're unconscious. We're we're taking it to each other. Uh, I'm a hometown boy. If I'm fighting at home, I'm I'm in there to win. I'm not I'm not laying down. I don't care how tired I get. I don't care how hard you hit me. If I can possibly physically get back to my feet, I'm going to. And I feel like he's tough, and he's going to be the same way. So it's going to be a scrap. Great. And so as far as your training right now, you you feel good? Oh yeah, man. Feel Everything confident. feels good. I feel confident. Um, doing multiple rounds. I did 20 rounds sparring the other night and felt good for all 20 rounds. Never gassed. I did ten rounds every both days before the holiday, and the only reason I stopped I stopped at eight one day because all my training partners were like we're done we don't want to do anymore yeah. we we just can't we don't have, we don't have the gas to keep going, and so I you know did a couple bag rounds or whatever and I feel good man my my, my cardio feels the best it's been in years, everything feels good so I'm excited I'm excited to one thing that I didn't get to showcase in my last fight was uh, my my boxing 
you know, okay. and, and so even though, so quickly. yeah, it was just over really quickly, and the the game plan was so simple. I knew that if I could just weather the storm and keep him coming at me and just stay really tight and technical, that he'd be punch himself out in a minute yeah. and a half in. That's exactly what happened. You watch it on YouTube, and um, he was going to gas, and then I could start unloading my my hands, and you know, it was over within thirty seconds of me actually throwing my hands. So I didn't really get to showcase my movement, my boxing, my. My, my hands and that's one thing I really wanted to show everybody in that fight that I didn't get to so I'm really excited I feel like this fight I'm going to get to do that a little bit more yeah. and, and have the opportunity not just to show it to the fans but just to show it to myself too you know in, in my MMA fights in the past there was a lot of fights that I probably could have won or even, even if I did win I could have done better on my feet but didn't want to trade hands didn't want to get the chance, have the chance to get knocked out so mm-hmm. I'd shoot and get the fight to the ground in this fight of boxing I'm obviously not going to have the opportunity to do that yeah so, you know, proving it to myself, too. I try not to, even though we, we do this for the fans, I try to stay focused on myself and what I'm trying to do and what I want to accomplish because fans are fickle, you know. Fans can be very fickle. And, and I love you guys coming out and watching the fight, but um, I don't take it too seriously when people, you know. I remember I had a fight back in 2010, and I went to decision. And it was not the most entertaining fight I ever put on. Yeah. It, 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 was a, it was sort of a GSP type type fight I sort of dominated the wrestling and the clinch took him down controlled him and after the fight I had a there was a, there was some trolling online like oh wasn't that and and it, I, it got to me back then and, and since then I've let myself sort of like you know what people are gonna no matter what you do people are gonna yeah. somebody's gonna have something to say yeah, so I try are. to stay focused on just what I'm in there to do what I want to prove to myself and focused on you know progress not over outcomes process over outcomes you know I'm going to go in there and just focus on being a perfect boxer and the best boxer I can be. And I'm not going to worry about necessarily even the win and the loss. You know, if I'm perfect, the win's going to come, you know. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that uh, on our Instagram page. Jules Davis asked about nerves. Oh, Julie. Yeah. I've been training her son for a long time. Yep. Nerves in the ring. Okay. So, like, before the match, I mean, just six weeks out, you knew about it. Yeah. Uh, was there any nervous energy, I'm sure? Absolutely. And so as yeah. you're, as you're get, making your way to the fight, is is it is it building? Or? Yeah, hundred percent. And so just honestly, in yeah. the locker room, about to step in. You know what? That's probably where I'm the calmest. It's in you that locker room. Yeah, I'm fine. Like, um, well, I say that it depends on what what fight. I'll I'll be nervous in the locker room before this one. I'm the most nervous right now. About two weeks out, okay. two three weeks out. This is when I can do the most to like be ready. This is when like I'm. I'm, I can do the most. Like, and when I'm in the locker room, there's really nothing that's in my control that I can do to affect that outcome at that moment. Um, once you're in the ca- in the ring, I said I almost said cage. Once you're in the ring, there's nothing really you can. I mean, you, the work's already been put in. How you're you're in as good a shape as you're going to be in. Yeah. You know. Whereas right now, you can you can affect that a little bit more. So, yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of nervous energy. Donald Cerrone does a video. I shared it to my Facebook page for you guys listening. If you want to check it out. Add me on Facebook, Jacob Taylor Reeves. You can even send me a message to tell me that you heard me on the podcast, and I'll, I'll add you. Yeah, that'll be good for traffic. Yeah, Just for sure. And, how it gets out. Yeah, and and on my page, I shared a thing from Donald Cerrone. He talks about what fight day is like, and it, it is a very nerve wracking experience, and you have to like you have to learn to deal with that. And that's actually that process over outcomes I was talking about. That's one of the things that I focus on mm-hmm. to deal with those nerves. Getting focused on instead of I've got to win, I've got to win, I've got to win. I focus on I want to be perfect, I want to be perfect, I want to be perfect. Because winning and losing aren't things in our control. The more you're focused on things you can't control, the more nervous you're going to be. 
Yeah, because you can control your game plan. That's right. How good a shape I'm in. How good a shape you're going to be. How hard I work. You know, when I throw my punches, am I throwing with good technique? Do I quit? Mm -hmm. Am I am I do I have mental am I mentally tough? You know, am I quitting when I get tired? Am I quitting when I get hit hard, or do I keep pushing? Um, These are all things that are within my control. Things I can't control are how athletic he is, how tough he is, Mm -hmm. how in shape he is. Um, He could be John Jones, or he could be you know the Pillsbury Doughboy. I can't control that. That's not something at this point, the contract signed, that's not something I can control. So I don't sit around and watch footage on my guys. I don't sit around and focus on how good or how fast they are. What I focus on is I focus on what I can control. What I can control right now is my conditioning, how good a shape I'm in. Am I going to get tired when I'm in there? I focus on you know how, how hard am I working, how much am I working on my timing. I can focus on me. I can't focus on him. So the only thing I can focus on is I'm going to be perfect. Everything I do is going to be perfect. Mm-hmm. My punches are going to be perfect. My head movement is going to be perfect. My blocking is going to be perfect. Those are things I can control. Okay. That's uh, head movement. Is that different? In MMA and boxing, not significantly. Um, no, the angle is yeah. wider, wider angles. Yeah, I, I don't do it significantly different. One thing that is huge, hugely different is the bobbing and weaving and shoulder rolling. Um, that does not translate to MMA at all. Yeah, you, you don't want to duck your head low like they do in boxing because you're opening yourself up for kicks and knees, mm-hmm. and you duck your head into a knee and you're getting coloring books for Christmas for the next three years. And, you know, drinking your lunch out of a straw, mm-hmm. and and obviously you don't want that. So. That's a big difference. I don't do a whole lot of bobbing and weaving. I, I'm working in my game plan some now because uh, I know this guy's a little taller than my last opponent, and you know I may I may want to fight on the inside. So I've been working that bobbing, weaving, getting inside, and you know throwing to the body, throwing to the head. I don't want to talk too much about my game plan. Yeah. Um, well, honestly, I don't have a game plan. I'm just working different looks. Um, I don't I don't do game plans honestly. Yeah, I imagine going there. Yeah. Round one, I'm gonna try this. Yeah. If it works great. I, this guy, me and him, both of this, me and this guy both only have one round of professional boxing in our career. Mine's online, his isn't. Yeah. So you can go watch mine because I posted it. I, I judged his first fight. I was one of the judges and had him winning the first round when the other guy didn't come out for the second because he gassed out. I don't do game plans because a lot of times, like Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a game plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. You know. So. I try not to game plan too much. I've also had fights where, like, I spent a lot of time game planning, and then they came out and looked different than I thought they were going to. And it just threw. And then it just threw everything off, and I froze up and lost the fight because you had a game. Plan. I had a game plan that didn't work, and it and got I, busted. Yeah, immediately. All right, so I, I just go in there and see what he does, and fill him out, you know, and 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 I'm getting his face. That's a lot. Of, a lot of time I like to, you know, get in the guy's face and 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 make him throw and or hang back, just whatever, whatever I'm feeling at the time. I try not to overthink it. Makes sense. Yeah, for sure. Especially with, especially like early pros. Especially when you're not talking about if you're fighting for a world title or you're fighting like high level UFC and you know exactly who you're fighting. You've got 25, 30, 40 fights over the past two or three yeah. years that you can go or more. I guess 25, 30, you yeah. have more. But you know, 10 fights over the past four years that you can go back and look at that. You know, he's already pro. They're not changing that much at that point. What they are is kind of what they are. You can kind of start doing things. But as an amateur or even an early level, like, first few fight pro, yeah. especially when I don't even have – like, I don't even have tape to watch on this guy. Yeah. You so, know how tall he is. Right. I know I know about how tall he is. I, I judged his fight, so I was obviously there and paying attention. Yeah. But it was also a long time ago, so you know, it wasn't quite a year ago, several months ago. And I'll be honest, I barely remember it. Because, I mean, I, I paid a little bit more attention because I knew there was a possibility either one of those guys could end up being my next opponent. Yeah. But 
it wasn't it wasn't anything crazy. I, I just you know paid a little bit of attention. So I don't game plan too much. Um, the the bobbing and weaving and, and things like that, the head movement, it is somewhat different. I don't change my game plan, my game up too too much though for from one thing to the next because I, I like to be able to transition from MMA to jujitsu to you know boxing kind of sort of seamlessly without okay. a lot of effort. And so I don't do like a strict boxer style fighting. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna fight like me. That's all you can do. That's right. Game, right. That's right. It's kind of would that be kind of considered unorthodox to kind of keep it as seamless as possible? Um, it seem like a disadvantage. It seems like it'd be a kind of an advantage. It, it is in some ways, for sure. I think if you spend a lot of time, and you know, it's it's not going to be that much different than what most boxers have seen. If you're if you're a good boxer and you've been around for a while, you've probably seen people that fight similar to me. I think that for me, it's an advantage because I don't have to completely redo my training camp when I go from one thing to the next. Uh, one thing I do in boxing, I put a little bit more weight on my front foot when I'm in my stance. I, I move my head a little bit more. There's things you can get away with with the bigger gloves that you can't get away with four-ounce gloves on. There's things you can get away with as far as head movement that you don't have to worry about when you're not getting kneed and kicked in the head. So there's some differences, but I try to keep it pretty consistent. All right, Jason Kislow. Okay. Had, um, I train his kids too. Yeah. Or his son Maddox, yeah. Yeah. He talks about, as far as like when times are hard, let's just say over the, the span of, you know, training time, if something was that sick, yeah, ain't feeling it, uh, yeah. there's something going on in the family, uh, yeah, whatever. So pretty much every day, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when you're getting ready for fights, pretty yeah. much every day, yeah. And so does, does, does hard times kind of play into the motivation, or is it? You know what? No. I'm going to be completely honest. I don't let that play into my motivation. I do what I do in spite of hard times. I try. The biggest thing you can do is stay focused. Mm-hmm. It's the most powerful thing you can do as a fighter, in business, whatever. Is, is stay focused. Stay focused in what you have to do. Stay focused in what you're in there for. What you're there to accomplish. Good times and bad times are both going to come. Mm-hmm. I'm in there to be perfect. I don't let bad. I try not to let bad times get to me. Uh, honestly, fight camps can be very emotional. They can be very frustrating, especially if you're not getting the tra- you don't feel like you're getting the training in that you that you feel like you need. I have historically had a lot of problems getting sparring partners, people to spar with me. I'm one of the bigger guys in my gym, so not everybody wants to go ten rounds with me. So uh, I can get I've gotten really emotional about that stuff. The biggest thing is stay focused on what you can control. When you're getting ready and you're trying to keep your head right, I try to make sure that my training camps are fun. I know a lot of fighters don't do that. You know, they think they're supposed to suck, and they are. Like I mean, fight camp sucks. You're yeah. going to be vomiting in the trash can, you know, especially in the first half of the camp. You're going to be so exhausted you don't want to lift your arms anymore. You're going to have people that really aren't even as good as you beating the crap out of you because it's your 15th round and it's their, they just took three rounds off and they're resting, coming in on you fresh. So, you know, there's, there's going to be tough nights. There's supposed to be. But I try to keep it fun. I try to keep it light. I try to stay focused on what I'm in there to do. Stay focused on being perfect. You know, don't don't think too much about the hard times. I try to think about, you know, go in there, have fun, do what I do. I, I legitimately enjoy fighting, and I, that's something that I think helps me. I legitimately, when yeah. that cage door closes or I step over those ropes it's and time. I get in there and the bell rings, I legitimately am having fun. When I'm getting hit and I'm getting rattled and I'm hitting you back and I'm bleeding and you're bleeding, I'm in my zone that's where that's my home that's where I want to be and so I, I'm having fun so my my training camp's fun 
I try okay. to keep my training camp fun. I try to have fun when I'm in here. I try to joke around some. Sometimes my mindset will kind of shift to a more serious mindset. I don't joke around as much when I'm getting ready for fights, but I try to force myself to to keep that light, fun. When I'm in the cage and I focus on having fun, or if I'm in the ring focus on having fun, I do better. So, yeah, man, I, 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 I try not to let that stuff get to me at all. I think that would go back to that mental toughness, you know. It, it absolutely just, does, yes. Hey, I'm I'm having a good time here. Yeah. I'm, I'm not letting him get in my head because he's pounding me to sleep right now. Yeah, or whatever the case. Right. Or he's he's getting he's getting out of my punch range. Right. Yeah. Whatever. I'm not. My punches aren't landing. Yeah. There's a lot of things. One thing that has been tough for me to learn was I had a little too much success really early. Uh, my first two fights were too easy. My tra- my first couple training camps were too easy. So as I've progressed, I used to let it get to me. When I didn't win fights early, whenever somebody would start pounding me, I'm like, oh, well, I guess this guy's going to beat me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas when you're, in, when you're a fighter, you may lose two rounds and, like, you may finish them in the third. You don't know. Right. You know, it's not like a football game where, like, once, you know, there's the only way you can end it is when the time ends. I can end it in one punch at any moment. You know, he may win the first, but he may completely blow his wide in that first round to beat me. I come out in the second, I still feel good, and he goes to sleep. Mm-hmm. So... Just that mental toughness of going through those hard times in the cage where he's hitting you hard and you don't feel like you you know you can take it, or when you're getting exhausted and or you're getting dominated, you can't make punches land. Stay tough, you know. Just don't focus on focus on one thing at a time. Focus on one exchange at a time. Mm-hmm. Remember that that tie can shift at any minute. You got to stay tough and stay in there. It's it's one of the was one of the hardest things for me to learn because I was so used to just manhandling everybody early and my first real test um I gassed and he finished me and it was like man I just I never had somebody that I couldn't just roll over was that one of them when you walked away and you were kind of disappointed because it didn't feel like well, you left everything out yeah of, co- of course I think that for me in that one was just a lack of of preparedness I took it on two weeks a lot of fights I most of the fights I lost I've only had one fight that I lost that I actually trained for and it was a split decision, close loss to Zebulon Stroud, who's a tough game opponent. He's a really good example of being tough and hanging in there when you're losing and coming back. You know, I really wasn't prepared for the opponent that I was facing, and I was used to just, uh, I was like, yeah, I'll take a fight on two weeks' notice because I'm unbeatable. Yeah. And turns out I wasn't as unbeatable as I thought. Yeah. You know? So, so you know, I, I, I take a lot of, uh, like, comfort in my – work ethic, my preparedness now, as opposed to thinking that I'm great, I just know that my work ethic's great, and that I'm going to be as prepared as I can be, and so I don't do a lot of short notice fights anymore. I got you. That kind of plays into, uh, it pretty much answered it, Josh Thrasher's question was, uh, you know, big or small, and he's like, not to say that one fight's bigger or smaller than the other, but typically it is. Absolutely it is, yeah. Um, To the public, anyway. mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, your amount of training, which you and having the gym and right. you're training all the time. Yeah, you'd think anyway, huh? Yeah. Maybe no, not. No, you're not. But yeah, it, <laughs> um, it seems that way. Yeah, it looks like it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> outside looking in. Right. But so how much time, I guess six, you get the call six weeks you're fighting. I like to have six weeks. That day. Yeah, I like to have six weeks in camp. If I've got six weeks in the camp, I can pretty much be ready to fight in six weeks. I like to have a little more. I like to have eight to 12, but I can do it in six. Easy. Okay. Uh, not easy. I mean, I'm pushing, but, but, I can be ready to fight in six weeks, no problem. I usually be on weight and be ready in six weeks. If it's anything less than that, I'm going to be a little bit skeptical unless I'm always training. You would think owning a gym would mean that you get to train all the time. 
Yeah. That is not the way not it is. Not the case. No. Usually, actually, I would say I probably get to train less than anybody else here because everybody else's training is my responsibility. Most of the time, me getting ready for these fights happens outside of class time. Like, when the classes are going on, that's not my training time. My training time is, like, in the evening, like, this time right now, which is, like, 8.30 p.m., mm-hmm. you know, or midday after lunch, those times. That's the times that I'm really getting my work in because I don't have people that are paying me to help them get their work in. Yeah. So when I'm teaching a class, I like to focus on actually teaching that class. And if I'm if I'm training for a fight, I like to focus on actually training for that fight. I don't like to do both at the same time. Yeah. So I actually will not get as much work in when I'm coaching. So you would think that that would be the way it is. Now, the one thing that does help me is in the long term. I'm able to be more consistent. So whereas I may not get to work out, you know, twice a day every day like you would think, mm-hmm. I do. I'm always around it. So I'm never like there's really never a time that I'm never training at all. I'm always doing something. I'm always you know when fights are coming up, I'm helping people spar. When other stuff's going on, I'm, I'm always doing something. So yeah. yeah. All right. So that kind of plays. I think it's the last question I had off the uh, the Facebook wall was um, Nate Arthur, day to day. What is uh? Let's just take a day last week. Take okay. a take a Thursday. Okay. What, what does a day to day look like? Last week was a little funny because it was Christmas. So, uh, but on, on on a typical day, it it really depends on what I'm working that day. Um, typically, get up. I, I force I force feed myself breakfast when I'm in training camp because I never eat breakfast. What does that look like? Um, what does breakfast look like. I like to eat. Typically, that's my biggest carb. Um, I like to do a protein and carb oatmeal. Um, you know, I'll eat bacon. I'm fighting heavyweight, so I don't have to cut weight for this fight. So I pretty much eat whatever I want. But I always want to have a good carb in, some fruit, banana, something not too heavy, especially if I'm going to train that morning. I go into the gym. If I'm working on my own or if I'm working with somebody, I'll uh, teach my classes for the morning or whatever. And then I try to get 10, 15, 10 to 20 rounds in. I'll do, you know, three to five rounds shadow boxing. Just moving, maybe jumping some rope and shadow boxing. Just hey, get so you timing three minutes out. Or? Yeah, three minutes, five five minute five rounds, three three five minute. I'm sorry, five three minute rounds or three three minute rounds. Just shadow boxing, just moving, working on my angles, working on just getting loosened up, getting my joints. Um, I've been doing this for a long time, so my joints hurt pretty much all the time. Okay. <laughs> my knees hurt all the time. My hips hurt. All, I've had hip surgery, knee surgery, I've heard hernia surgery. I've had soldier shoulder and elbow issues. So especially my hips and my knees, pretty much hurt. In the beginning of every workout, so I've got to get that <coughs> loosened up. So once I'm warmed up, those quit hurting. So I'm, I'm, you know, loosening up, you know, getting warmed up. I usually go from that. I'll go to mitt work or bag work. Um, some days I'll only do mitt work, and if I'm only doing mitt work, I'll do like five rounds on the mitts. Then I'll do like some conditioning, and then I'll do another five rounds on the mitts. So let's say take a day last week. Uh, me and Hannah went, and, and she held mitts for me for five rounds. Then we did three minutes. I got a sled. I'll push the sled, and, and then I'll pull it back on a rope hand over hand, okay. push the sled, pull it back, push the sled, and I do that nonstop for three minutes, just exerting myself, putting everything I have in every single rep, okay. um, pushing the sled down, trying to get myself exa- as exhausted as I possibly can to the point of, like, throwing up and, and you know, dying where you feel like you're just dead. Yeah, um, mental toughness. You yeah, get there, right? build, build not only the cardio, but, yeah, that mental toughness where I'm – that – that place of just despair I've been is home. Here yeah, because you're gonna be. You're, I don't care how shape, good a shape you're in. You're gonna get tired in the fight with the adrenaline and the lights and everybody's yelling and the and the and the the 
you know, the anxiety and the fear and the, the excitement and anger or whatever, all that going on all at one time, you're going to get tired. So you need to go into a fight like, okay, I'm going to get tired. I'm going to, you know, I, I'm sparring 20 rounds, but I'm going to get tired probably in yeah. two. Just honestly, real talk. So anyway, then what I'm doing in between these rounds is uh, I'll do 30 to a, seconds to a minute. At the most, a minute. Only a minute if I'm doing a ton of rounds and they're really hard. But um, 30 seconds rest, I'm just focused on getting my heart rate pulled back down. I'm focused on recovering in 30 seconds to a minute. Training myself so that when I go sit on that stool, I'm not just gasping for air and hyperventilating. I'm actually recovering and getting my heart rate pulled back down and getting myself pulled back to zero so I can go back out and do it again the next round. So that's another big thing. I'll, then, then I'll usually do another five rounds on the mitts, high punch volume, uh, never taking more than two to three seconds without throwing a three to four punch combination. Sometimes two punch combos, but still every, you know, you're not going one, two, three, and then one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi. Like it's one, two, three, two, three, two, six, three, two, you know, whatever. I'm throwing these combos, pop, 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 angle, pop, 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 you know, constantly working high punch volume. Um, do another five rounds, get back on the sled, do it again, you know, and then if, depending on how we're feeling or how, what, you know, what the, what the rounds did, I'm either, sometimes I'll call it and then go back and train again that night with sparring or I may do another five rounds. So I like to do in a perfect workout, you know, five rounds shadow boxing, five rounds mitt or bag work, five rounds sparring, and then another five rounds. If I didn't do men or bag work, do the other one. That's sort of a perfect training. I like to get, you know, 15, 20 rounds in. Other days, like on a Friday, for instance, that's a heavy sparring day for me. So on Friday, I'm going to try to do 20 rounds sparring. I'm going to try to just, and that's really more of a mental toughness thing. One of the issues you can run into if you're doing too many rounds Mm -hmm. or you make your rounds too long is that you end up pulling your punch volume down so low that you're really not training how you're going to fight. Okay. So you're kind of coasting through these rounds, just surviving. You're not winning the rounds. You're not doing everything you could be doing. So you're not really training like you're going to fight. And that's sort of the, the double-edged sword of those really high rounds. So when you're doing it, you need to make sure. It's better to do 10 rounds hard than 20 rounds at 50%. You know, So make sure that you're doing it the right way. I've got some really good training partners here that push me and make sure that I'm, I'm doing right. Hannah's really stepped up in this one because she's recognized the fact that I needed somebody to help yeah. coach me. And even though... She's never coached a boxer ever, you know, and never even got anybody ready for an MMA fight by herself. Yeah, she's she's seen how I do it and how I coach, and so she stepped up big time on this one. Landon's been holding mitts for me a lot too, but but Hannah's probably been doing the most right now. And so, that stepping it back just a little bit, when you were first getting into MMA and training, how long were you in the game before you realized I need a better coach? I need I need to be in a better place. Um. You know, uh, did you have any of them situations? Yeah, like, I, de- I definitely did. You know, when I first started, I had a great, I had a great support system for where I was. When we first started, we were upstairs at the police club, and um, at that time, it was Ben Lowry, Kevin Fitzpatrick, and Dustin Pumphrey. They were kind of the three main guys. Ben Lowry was the guy over it. Ben Lowry, shortly after I started, stepped out, mm-hmm. and then it was Ben. I'm sorry, Kevin and Dustin. Okay. And then Dustin got deployed to Iraq, and then it was just Kevin. But Kevin was a heavyweight. He had good jiu-jitsu, not great stand-up at that time, but he had you know some fundamental stand-up, good jiu-jitsu, and so we did a lot of jiu-jitsu, a lot of grappling. At that time, I was still getting pushed, so it wasn't until I started realizing that like I really wasn't getting pushed in my training anymore. 
I started driving down, and really before I even stopped getting pushed, I started driving down to the coast, and I went to Alan Belcher's gym down there some. I went to John Dixon's gym down there, and then I eventually made my home gym away from my home gym. was uh, it's, it's now It used to be Tupelo BJJ. It's now UFM. I started driving there two days a week and doing half half my camps there, half my camp there, half my camp here. I'd do Tuesday, Thursday here, Monday, Wednesday, Friday there with their fight team. And at that time, they had a really good fight. They still have a really great fight team. At that time, they had a really good fight team, probably the best fight team in the area. And I didn't come back. I went to, I went to school at ICC. I didn't come back until 2011. I quit school and opened a gym. And I actually I opened the gym. We talked about this in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. I opened a gym out of necessity just – you know, we did the, the it, we were, this team was going to cease to exist if we didn't basically. Yeah, because you needed a place. That's right. I wanted somewhere to train, and it was about that time I was sort of getting to the point where, you know, wasn't we talked about this last week? Wasn't going to the UFC and sort of, mm-hmm. and that's when I came back and started coaching full time. But, you know, it was it was definitely times and in several different points in my journey that I was like, I need I need a a better coach. For instance, if I were going to make a career out of fighting. I would not be running this gym. I would move to, you know, somewhere else. I would move to a place with, a, yeah. you know, down the coast. Biloxi or, or whatever. Yeah, Biloxi or, you know, and you've got a couple guys, you know, at least one guy in the UFC, two guys in the UFC from Birmingham at Spartan at Chris Conley's gym. And you've got, a, you know, the guys at Allen's gym. you got some guys in Florida, Coconut Creek. you got American Top Team and Henry Hoosh's gym down there in Boca. So, you know, I would go to one of those gyms that had, that that's what they do, and I would just focus on myself. Yeah. I wouldn't be focused on coaching as much. Okay, so, yeah, I was always curious about that because, like, fighting is such a – it's a – you're the only one in there. Yeah, for sure. And so when you're going through your training, that's always – my question is, like, when's it time to move on? Yeah. Or when's it time to – okay, i gotta, I got to find somebody with a different kind of style to push yeah. me in a kind of different way. And You know, I, I believe in loyalty to your team, too, um, to a certain extent. Like, even when I – as I moved and trained with other gyms, I always had loyalty to my home gym. Okay. Um, I, this was always home for me. Even when I was training at other places full time, I'm not necessarily saying that that's the only way to do it. I've seen people that have left gyms and went on, and that's the reason they took off and they had loyalty to that gym. It is a team sport to me. It's okay. one of the reasons I like it. Even though you're the only one in there, you're only going to be as good as your team. And I believe in loyalty. I believe in you know giving back to the people who were there from you with you, with you yep. from day one. I think that at certain times in your career, depending on your goals. You do have to either up your cross-training or go to another gym for camps or full-time even. But at the same time, I think you definitely need to be loyal to, to, to the horse you rode in on a little bit too. And I say that as a coach and a, and a gym owner, so it's it probably a little bit biased. Yeah. But that's always been my viewpoint. I've always had a lot of loyalty to, to the gyms that I that I trained at full-time. At the same, my, my loyalty is here to relentless over anything. I would rather continue to train here than go to the UFC. Uh, just personally, because it's not, you know going to the UFC is not my passion. My passion is helping yeah, people and changing right lives here. here. And so, for me, like this is this is family. This is my family. Honestly, like I have more to do with the people in this gym than I do people in my extended family. You know, now my wife and kids and my parents and my brother. That's a different yeah. story. But you know, the people here in this gym. This is. I mean, we do holidays together. We do. Yeah. Yeah, you know, a Christmas party. Right, we do everything. We, we do it as yeah. a team. We do it as a family. And so, especially the fight team, the guys that fight on the fight team and stuff, these young guys that are younger, I almost, I'm almost their dad. And, I mean, I, t- I take care of them. It's, you know, I've got a young guy that just started working here named Richie that's been with me since he was 14. Yeah, I was just talking to Richie. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I'm Richie's dad, even though I'm only <laughs> a few years older than him. 
Honestly, I, that's how I feel. I feel like I'm his dad. I feel like that I'm responsible to make sure he, you know, grows. And he's 18 now and a senior in high school. But I feel like it's my responsibility to make sure he grows to be a, a, a good, you know, adult that's yeah. a functioning member of society. And so you get really wrapped up. And he's a fighter. He's, he, he's actually getting ready for his second amateur MMA fight will be in March. Along right. with Han, pro, probably Han will be on that card too. I can't talk too much about that yet. But because um, it's, it's going to be some big news on that, but um, we're looking to maybe put hand on that card as well. So we have some people fighting in Tupelo at the SFC card. But for sure, man, it's it's a uh, it's a family for me. And so when you talk about you know loyalty to your career, you have to have that. You have to know what your goals are and what it is you're trying to accomplish. And I've even had I had a student a while back. Another one of those situations that I feel really responsible for this kid. Mm-hmm. And he said that told me a while back that MMA wasn't his thing anymore. He just he wasn't as interested in doing a lot in the MMA world. He wanted to go and be a professional boxer. And I had to level with him. I was like, you know, if that's your goal, just to be completely honest with you, in the wrong place. I'm not going to be able to do that for you. Mm-hmm. I, can I get you ready to fight pro on local shows and do well? Yeah, but if you're trying to go fight at, you know... Deontay you know, Wilder? Right. You're trying to fight at that level at the world-class... You know, WBO, um, you know, level fight on HBO and Showtime. I can't get you there. I don't have number one. I don't have the the expertise for it. But the other thing is, is I don't have the connections. Yeah, that's a big part about it. And I told him, I was like, man, you need to go to Sky in Tuscaloosa. You need to move. You know, if that's your dream, if your dream is you want to be the best boxer mm-hmm. that you can be, that's not my niche. Even though I box and and I'm, you know, I think I'm a good pro boxer. Yeah. I, Personally, I think I'm a really good pro boxer, otherwise I wouldn't fight, but I'm not you know, a world champion, and I've never trained somebody to be a world champion in boxing. Not that I've done, I've had any UFC champions out of this gym in MMA either, but you know, I had to level with him. So as a coach, you kind of have to put your ego aside, and I wanted so much, but let's do it. And while I'll give him everything I've got as long as he's here, if that's his goal, he needs to... He needs to find somewhere else get, eventually. Right, exactly. He's not going to be able to stay here long term. Yeah. You know, so for sure. That was a very roundabout answer to your question, but we eventually got back yeah. around to it. Yeah. Uh, superstitions. Are you? I do not believe in it at all. I'm actually very anti-superstition. I got um, that. I didn't think so. Yeah. I, and I'll tell you the reason why. It goes back to mindset. There's a guy, and he was the first one I heard say this, Cody Floyd. He was fighting out of Tupelo back in the day. He's one of, he's like, I think they're one of their head jiu-jitsu coaches there now. Super talented kid. And uh, we were talking about walkout. I asked him what his walkout song was. He said, I don't have a walkout song. Yeah, he says, I just tell him, play whatever you want. I don't care. And I was like, really? I was like, why? He said, yeah, because, you know, that attachment to that walkout song, let's say I can't have that walkout song, it throws my whole game off. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, okay. And so it's like, you're, it's like a lucky pair of socks if you're a baseball player. If you believe that those socks are lucky, then, yeah, they probably are. To you, yeah, because your mind is in your mind. They're lucky, so you're going to perform better. What happens when they don't get in the bag? That but day? what happens when you forget them at home? That's exactly right. What happens if you got a lucky pair of gloves? What happens when the promoter doesn't let you use your own gloves? You have to use theirs. If you got a lucky pair of shoes, what happens when they wear out? You know, when you've got a lucky pair of underwear, what happens when you lose them or they get stolen or yeah. you know whatever wore out. <laughs> wore out? And I try my absolute hardest to stay away from it. Most fighters are superstitious. They it just comes with the territory. They go out and they believe that, oh, well, if I don't love this walkout song, if I don't do this little move and you know dance before the fight, uh-huh. if I don't do this whatever, then I'm not going to do well. And I think that it's you're setting yourself up 
to have weaknesses. You're setting yourself up to let stuff get in your head. I try not to let anything in my head that doesn't have to be there. Yeah, I'm and, not superstitious either, man. Yeah. It's like I don't have the, you know, the Alabama shirt for no. the game to put on. Think or, about how silly that is. Yeah. To be superstitious about things with teams that you don't you actually don't have play any on. control. That's right. Over at all. That's why I don't watch sports. Honestly, I've watched maybe two or three football games this year. I'm an Alabama fan, and people are like, oh, you're an Alabama fan. They try to start it with me. I'm like, really hey, man, that's cool, bro. I don't care. <laughs> I've never played for Alabama. Yeah. I never didn't even go to school there. I don't know any of those children that play football at Alabama. Yeah. And that's what they are. They're children, 18 to 22, 23-year-olds. They're kids. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to get fighting mad over a bunch of children that I don't know playing a game. This, and, and the same thing, think about how silly it is to have a jersey you have to wear or you think the team's going to lose. You think that your jersey – think about all the other fans watching that if that were all the case, you should, you'd be a nervous wreck. Who? Like, yeah. Like, who didn't wear their lucky jersey? Yeah. That's ridiculous. That's so stupid. I'm probably going to have some hate mail after this. I don't care. <laughs> um, somebody's going to listen to this. I'm telling you. It's silly. It's stupid. Yeah, so superstitions, I don't, I don't get into that stuff. I don't, I don't believe that – I don't think God's going to come down and help me win a fight. I just I think I think a lot of people try to you know and I'm a religious person um, but I don't um, I don't I don't think God's gonna help me. I think the only things that are gonna control the outcome of that fight are gonna be how my mental train. toughness and how hard I train and I think that everything in the world points to that being the facts mm-hmm. you know Mike Tyson was the champ for how long and he was definitely not a good person yeah you know what I mean like nothing against the champ I think Tyson's probably one of the greatest fighters to ever live but if you think that he was like a grand person, yeah. you probably need to do some research. Yeah. You know, sure. and I'm not saying he raped that girl either, because there's some evidence that he didn't. But there's a whole lot of other evidence that says he did a lot of other messed up stuff. Yeah. So, you know, I don't. And if I ever met him, I'd shake his hand and tell him he's one of the greatest that ever lived. But it's true. it's true, absolutely, that I respect him as a fighter. But I definitely don't think he's a good person. I think Tyson's another, also another good example of how much people value being a winner in our society. Because we don't care what you do as long as you're a winner. You know, John Jones, Mike Tyson, you know, baseball, football players, whatever. We can yeah. forgive anything as long as you're a winner. Yeah. But, yeah, superstitions, I'm not into them. I try, I try my best to avoid that like the plague, yeah. 100%. I knew that question was coming because I saw it online. Yeah. I actually wanted to answer it in the right comments. There. But I was like, nah, let's keep that, let's keep that for the podcast. Yeah. That was a lot of those. I wanted to be like just Oh yeah. Yeah, let me let me just answer this now, but I was like, nah, yeah. let's wait, let's wait. Because we had just talked that day. I was like, oh, I know the answer to that. Yeah, right. I know the answer to Yeah, that. I knew a couple of them on that that me and you had already talked about. <laughs> but I was like, all right, well we'll just we'll hold off there. Yeah. And so I, I think it's back to Blake's question. Um and you touched on it. There won't be cutting weight for this. Right, yeah, heavyweight. But let's say uh light heavy in the MMA or mm-hmm. if you were taking a light heavy in boxing. Okay. Uh, I couldn't with, make light heavy. Light, weight classes are different in boxing than MMA. Okay. So uh, the next thing down in heavyweight for boxing would be cruiserweight, and that's 199. I'd get 199 to be a cruiserweight. The next thing down in MMA would be light heavyweight. That's 205. So the weight classes are a little, a little different. different. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, go ahead with the question. So, I'm sorry. With cutting weight, when, when does that process begin and like weigh-ins? For me, hopefully never again. That's my least favorite thing about fighting, honestly. I'd fight every weekend if I didn't have to cut weight. But no, seriously, it depends on what weight class I'm fighting at. If I'm doing 205, I can do it in six weeks. If I were to do 85 again in MMA, I would probably have to take at least 12 because it'd be a big cut, probably more than that. Yeah. I'm sitting about 235, 230 last time I weighed. Actually, I was about 237 last time I weighed. But I'm dropping some weight. I'm kind of fluctuating a little bit. 
So for me to do that, I would need to get at least six weeks of good training in and diet. I would be a lot lighter right now if I was watching my diet a little cleaner. I'm still eating a lot of sugar. I have not cut weight as a married father yet. Um, I've, since I've been married and had kids, I have not cut weight. So I've been married for going on four years. My last two MMA fights were both at light heavyweight, and I, we were not married yet. Yeah. It was in 2014. And it was right. It was right before we got married that I took those fights. So I can t- kind of walk you through that if you want me to. Kind of yeah. how you get that how, process. How does that process work? It's it's not fun at all. Um, <laughs> I don't really want to do it. So let's talk about my last fight. My last cut to, to 85, 185. I started the cut. I was about 225. So I started at 225, cutting at 85. Too much weight, in my opinion, for an amateur fighter. But my problem is, is I don't like to die. I don't like to watch what I eat and stay lean when I'm not fighting. I get really chubby. I'll still train, but I like to eat a lot of garbage. So uh, I eat a lot of sugar. I love little Debbie cakes. You know, I love pancakes and bacon. I love, uh, you know, I love anything that's bad for you. Anything that's got sugar in it, I'm all about it. I love pizza, you know. Um, So when I'm not fighting, my diet could be a whole lot better. So those of y'all see me out there walking around looking kind of chunky, that's why. Because Lort's made sugar for a reason, and I'm about it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, so let's say 85. Usually I'm starting about 225, 220. I can do that in about, you know, last time I did it, I did it in 12 weeks from 225 to 185. Typically, I get, I've got to do a lot more training, not necessarily for getting ready for the fight, but just getting the weight off. So a lot of times what I would do, if my knee was healthy, I would get up in the morning before breakfast, and I would do like a two to three mile run as long as my knee's feeling good. If my knee's not feeling good, I'll get on the elliptical and do circuit training. So I'll do like lightweight, high repetition circuit training with weights uh, along with like elliptical and bike work. Um, first thing in the morning and just, you know, get me started. Then breakfast, um, four egg whites and a yolk, um, a couple of blueberries and maybe, or a half a banana. Um, and then I'll do just to give me some sort of carb. And then, uh, like I said, the, the, the egg white for the protein. Usually try to eat. I, I do the every two hours thing. I don't do the intermittent fasting when I'm in training camp. It's not that there's anything wrong with intermittent fasting, but when you've got a fight coming up, you really need about 3,500 calories a day. And you have to cut weight on 3,500 3, calories a day. So imagine trying to lose weight at 3,500 calories a day. Yeah. Most people are doing 2,000, 2,500. Because you have to have enough energy to get you through your workouts that are super intense, mm-hmm. right? So usually I'll eat every like two to three hours. I'm eating like my next meal is usually lean meat and a vegetable, staying away from carbs until my meal before training. So I'll do like lean meat and a vegetable, maybe like a, like a chicken breast <laughs> with asparagus. I'll do like a salad with like a vinaigrette. At lunch with uh, with like a either a lean steak at eighty five. Sometimes I'll cut my beef out, but usually I'll, I'll do like lean meat cuts of meat of beef or chicken. I'll do fish, um, a lot of vegetables. Even though I hate vegetables, and that makes the thirty five hundred calories really hard to hit because I don't like healthy food. So a lot of times I would rather just be hungry yeah. than actually eat food I don't like. So um, I have a very like sensitive palate. So I, I really don't enjoy it. So learning how to cook was is, can be important. Um, I go from that and I do uh, my last meal. I'll do a carb um, at like six o'clock or five o'clock, depending on when my first class starts. So at five o'clock, I'll do a carb, like some rice with some chicken and a vegetable. Make it a decent meal, at least an hour out from training, mm-hmm. uh, or maybe two. Then um, do my training. I'll do, you know, two to three hours of, you know, 
sparring, mitt work, wrestling, you know, whatever my combat specific training is. You also want to make sure that your like strength and conditioning training in the morning is not getting in the way of your combat specific training. If you're going so hard in the morning that you can't perform in the evening, you need to cut back in the morning on your morning routine. But usually when I'm at this point, as I start getting in there, I'm, I'm usually okay as long as I'm eating. The biggest problem that I have historically is I quit eating because I just like, man, I'd just rather skip this meal and then it'll help me cut weight anyway. But really it doesn't. You want to make sure that you're eating because then you can't put as much in your workouts because you don't have the fuel and you, the weight could actually get harder because you're not able to go as hard. Um, you know, cardio is the key. Clean food and cardio. Clean food and train hard as you can, 100%. That's the key. Then, you know, a lot of food. I usually, if my knee's feeling good, I'll do one long run a week. I'll do like one eight-mile run. Mm -hmm. And honestly, that's for more for mental toughness than anything else. After I get done with the run, I go back. I wrap my knee in ice because I've got a, I've got a bad knee. I wrap my knee in ice and take a bunch of ibuprofen, my glucosamine chondroid and all that stuff, which I have to take every day when I'm in camp. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's pretty much like a daily routine. Uh, I do one complete rest day and one run day. Those are my two rest days because the run doesn't beat me up in the same way as the sparring and everything does. It still beats my knees up, so I try not to run. Like if I'm running during the week, I don't do the long run. If, I, if my knee feels good during the week and I do like three days where I run in the morning, I won't run on the weekend because running is just really hard on me. Matter of fact, sparring is easier on my body than running is. I've got more injuries from running long distances that like kind of wore down my body than I do from getting kicked in the head and punched. Wow. So, yeah, it can be kind of hard on you. I should uh, just about sparring the headgear. I don't wear it. I don't wear headgear. So okay, I may not be able to answer this question. That, that was going to be my thing was okay. – why or why not? Because I wouldn't want to because I would want to be taking the blows and yeah. getting used to it, yeah. I, I would think. That's not why you don't want to wear it. I don't have an issue with that. The issue with headgear is I think that especially competing in headgear as amateur boxing, I think it gives you a false sense of security. It gives you a false sense that you're safe, and you end up taking more shots because um, you're, you're, you're wearing the headgear. I think training can do the same thing. I think if you're training in headgear, you can take a lot of shots. Um, you got to be really careful because once you've been training as long as I have, and you're kind of in the game, and, you, and and you've got miles on you, you don't you want to limit the shots to your head, especially the hard shots to your head. Okay, because that button gets bigger. Right? Yeah, well, and it's it's not even necessarily that. You just you sort of start getting punch drunk because your brain sloshes around in that cerebral fluid and it bounces around in your head. Okay, and pretty soon you're spitting when you're talking and slurring your words and you know stumbling when you stand up and you just get punch drunk. Um, I've known a lot of fighters who, you know, maybe didn't even have that many fights, but they've got their their head is so high mileage from gym wars five nights a week. You know, early on in your Amy career, I think it's a good thing. It gets you used to fighting. But later in your pro career, you think you need to start dialing that way back. And, you know, sparring, but your sparring needs to be like timing. The other thing is I don't compete in headgear. There's no type of fighting that I do that I wear headgear. So there's really no reason for me to get used to wearing it. I don't mind getting popped in the head without headgear because I've never worn it. The, the, it definitely cuts down, especially when you start getting closer to the fight. I make some of my fighters wear it because it, the biggest thing headgear cuts down on is like cuts and bruises. So, like if you're two weeks out from a fight, it's good to wear it just because yeah, so you don't want to accidentally catch an elbow or yeah, cut get a cut above your eye or your yeah. forehead, and and all of a sudden now you can't fight and get paid because you're being stupid when you're sparring. Yeah. So sparring intelligently is a big part of that. But overall, I don't wear it. I'm not a, I'm not a big headgear proponent. I don't think that it saves you. Um, it's like this. Where do you see more brain damage, football or rugby? Football. Absolutely. Who's got more padding on? Football. But where are the harder hits? Football. 
It's that false sense That's right. It's the false insecurity. You don't mind because you got this big helmet on. You don't mind putting your head down and ramming your the top of your head in somebody's chin or slamming your forehead in somebody. Dude, when I played football, that was my shit. I was all <laughs> about ramming my head into people's collarbones and just taking them out, which is illegal now. Yeah. Probably for a good uh, – probably a good thing. I don't think it should be illegal in the pros because I feel like they make enough money. I don't really care if they die. But, uh, I mean, they're like gladiators to me. You know, I don't, I, that seems super cruel. I, I'm, I halfway am kidding. Yeah. But just halfway. Like, dude, you make $300 million a year. Nah, I don't care. Yeah. I don't care. You make $100 million a year, like, and you die on the field. Don't think that I'm going to be sad. Or if you get, if you're like slurring your words at 50, but you made a billion dollars. Yeah. I don't care, dude. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't care. I don't feel sorry. I don't feel sorry for you at all. Yeah. No. Just like big name fighters, like, they try to make MMA safer or football safer. I think for kids, it's a good thing. You know, for Pee Wee and even high school, that's a good thing. D1 college, man, these kids aren't getting paid, which I think that's a travesty. I think they should be. Um, I'm going to get some hate mail for that. That's a good thing. Uh, depending on how many people listen to this anyway. I think they should be getting paid, man. These kids are, you know, that's not like they can go have a job and play at Alabama and also go to college. You know, playing in Alabama is a full-time job by itself. So pay, get those kids a few hundred dollars a week. Yeah. You know, something. Make it I'm like sure a, Athens. I'm, yeah, but it should be legal. Yeah. They shouldn't get in trouble for it. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I, I'm gonna, I, I know a player who plays at a Division One SEC school that I trained and, I mean, didn't have a job, but somehow was in the 2019, 2018. 18 it's time pickup you know brand i mean i'm not i don't know how he afforded that truck i'm yeah. not my business you know and it wasn't anybody at state so or alabama so don't yeah. don't think it's nobody like that i'm just saying you know you never know you know I, I'm, I'm but that's not a bad thing i think that's a good thing man these kids are giving everything they got on saturday they are. you know they they should be compensated and i mean some of these kids most of these kids are not going to play in the nfl mm-hmm. and they're taking lifelong damage to their knees and head and whatever especially linemen yeah man they should be compensated and running backs too and quarterbacks they're taking hard licks dude you know then they're not going most of those guys are not going to make it to the nfl make money those headhunters though they're my favorite there was this, for sure uh, yeah. there was this cat this past football season he played at south lamar um, i think he was number 20 last name was Lindsay. okay dude on kickoff Better look out. Or, yeah, let let a wide receiver catch one in the flats. Yeah. Let him catch you. <laughs> that helmet was coming first, and it was going in your chest. Yeah. He was a head hunter. Yeah. I played like that, too. I, I, I like to play. <laughs> Those are my favorite players. Yeah. I mean, I was on, like, kick return, mm-hmm. but I was looking for somebody looking up at that ball. Let me – boy, I'm going to smoke you, son. Yeah. I'm going to get you when you ain't looking. First first, first game of my senior year. Welcome to victory. That's right. Yeah, first game of my senior year. I was playing at Victor Christian. But we had a really good team when I played. You know, we had a lot. We won state championship. I you got two state ranks. Yeah, I got two state ranks personally, and then they won it again at the year after I left. And we had a good team. There was only two or three teams in the league that could even kind of play with us. A lot of teams, we were beating like 80 to nothing. Uh, Eight-man balls, a little faster. But um, first first game, they had a re- the other team had a really good fullback, and he was running. and He had laid me out in the Jamboree game, and I was kind of had some revenge mm-hmm. in my mind. And, he was looking up at the ball on kick return, and I saw him, and I was like, this is my time, buddy. Here and I, I put my head right in his collarbone and broke it and put him out for the season. And uh, that was pretty much the, the story of our probably first six, seven games. Somebody left on a stretcher every game, man. It was We were just killing those boys. Well, I mean, a lot of these teams had, like, basically JV teams. They had little boys playing. Yeah. And I was – I'm a big guy, and I was the smallest guy on my defensive line. Yeah. Um, well – uh, Justin Shaw, probably I might have been a little, little bit bigger than him, but I mean, 
guys on our defensive line were some hosses and the offensive yeah. line too. We were some big boys yeah. and we were hitting, you know. And so you put some little JV guys in there, it's not going to be pretty. Mm-hmm. And so anyway. Going to be trying some new tricks. Yeah, so I like that, man. <laughs> I like that. That, But back to the head, the headgear question and just safety and training. I don't personally do it. I don't think it's a bad thing. I've, I've never had any knock on wood here. I've never had any like negative repercussions of not wearing it. I've never been cut trained. I've never been – so far, knock on wood again, never been cut in a fight. Now, this might be the fight in two weeks yeah. that does it. I don't know. Um, I hope it, not. But Boston gloves are a little bit tougher. To yeah, you don't get off, cut right? quite as easily. and You swell more because you don't have the sharp impact, especially with the elbows in MMA that really cause it. The four-ounce gloves, too. Um, my, my second fight, I hit a guy with four-ounce gloves and split his head wide open. In like, in the first grazes that get you the worst, yeah. ain't it? A lot of times, yeah. A grazing elbow is probably the, the bit thing that's most likely to cut you. A grazing elbow, like an elbow that just barely makes contact, will split you wide open. Boxing gloves, you don't see it as often, but boxing is actually a more dangerous sport though than MMA is. Um, boxing averages five deaths a year, whereas MMA has only had two deaths in the entire history of the sport. So I didn't know that. Yeah, boxing's a far more dangerous sport because of that head trauma. Boxing has a, you fight a lot more often because boxing doesn't beat your body up as much as MMA does. You can fight more often. You can you know you can spar a little harder because you're not getting you know kicked and kneed and taken down. You can spar a little harder, and so um, the boxers die all the time. And also the rule set of boxing. So for instance, first off, it's illegal for me to hold you in boxing. I can't grab hold of your arms and gloves and hold you and keep you from hitting me. In MMA, that's totally legal. In boxing, it'll separate you, and I'm going to take more damage. The other thing is in MMA, the damage is more spread out. I'm taking you know kicks to the leg. I'm getting taken down. I'm getting slammed. Shots. But it's not not all. There's the you know boxing is all to the the front of your torso and the head. Yeah. The other thing is that um, if I get rocked in an MMA fight and I wobble and go down, he's going to pounce on me, and the ref's going to call it. It's over. In a boxing match. He's going to step back. The ref's going to step in, and I've got 10 seconds mm-hmm. to gather myself and get back to my feet and take more punishment to the head. Right. The most dangerous thing about combat sports and boxing is the, da- the long-term damage. Not just necessarily the damage in one fight, but the long-term damage to your brain. And so that brain sloshing around in there and, and getting damaged, and you, know, you end up punch drunk, or you end up having a, a brain bleed, and you, know, you end up with a traumatic brain injury, and, mm-hmm. and you know, you're just never the same or whatever. Those things are way more common in boxing. They happen in MMA. There's been death, a couple deaths in MMA, but only a couple in the entire history of the sport, whereas boxing averages, I think, around five deaths a year. So uh, boxing's a, a far more dangerous sport. I don't like talking about it because i got a boxing match coming up. But, uh, you know, I, I, but I haven't been boxing my whole career, and, and I'm not going to do 50, 60, 100 boxing matches. Yeah. I, you know, at the most, I may take five, ten you know, boxing matches, and who knows? I may take more than that, but... <clears throat> You know, I'm not gonna. I'm not making a career out of being a professional boxer, so I'm not too worried about it. But yeah. it's definitely something for young athletes to think about. All right, so January 18th at the Trotter, yeah. Trotter Convention Columbus, Center, Columbus, Mississippi. Yeah, you can best venue in the South. Relentless. Contact Jake. He said he'd meet you. That's right. I'll meet you, baby. Hit me up on Facebook. So hit the gym up on Facebook too. You know, you hit me up on my Facebook. Uh, you can call the gym six six two. 259-8005 is the gym's phone number. You look us up on Facebook, Relentless MMA and Fitness, Columbus, Mississippi. You hit us up, man. We will. I'll bring them to your house. I'll, I'll get you those tickets. I'm telling you, if you don't, if you want to have an awesome time, here's the thing. If you live in, in the Columbus area, what else do you have going on? That's, I was talking with Landon earlier. I yeah. said, 
I never thought about it till I moved back here. But yeah. Columbus has a good fight scene. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot going on. Yeah. Just because of it's kind of in the middle yeah. of everything. Yeah, it's kind of in the hub, and there's there's some good fighters out here. It didn't always be. The, it didn't used to be this way. But there's some good fighters in this area. Mm-hmm. You got uh, you know, you got you know Oliver's guys who you know have historically done well, and then our guys right now are dominating the the scene and. You've got great fights in Tupelo. You got great fights in you know used to be great fights in Tuscaloosa, not as much anymore. But great fights here, man. Uh, MMA and boxing. Mm-hmm. You've got a lot of really good fights going on right now. And dude, I mean, I know everybody around here is all about football, and but this is in January. Football's pretty much over. Yeah. I mean, what do you got going on, man? On that Friday night, you're gonna go out to eat. Out. That's right. Go watch some watch some big boys knock the slobber out of each other's mouths and. And you know, have you a beer, and and let's let's get after it, and then afterwards you can go out and eat and party or whatever you want to do. Yeah. But I'm telling you, you want to have a fun night out that's exciting, that's going to get you pumped up and on the edge of your seat. It's going to be the best time you've had in a long time. I, I'm, I promise you. Everybody that comes out, it's always like, man, that was so much fun. And they always come out. They always buy tickets for the next one. Give it a shot if you have. You've never been to one before. This is the one. Come come out to this one. Cheer for me or boo me. I don't care. <laughs> Same way, to, same thing to me. But cheer for me or boo me. But come out, and watch me fight. Well, I, I want to put on a show for the for the fans here in Columbus. That's it. Come on out. All right, brother. This is going to do it. All right, man. It's been another good one. Thank yes, you for sir. coming on. Appreciate it, brother. Have a good one. Take eight. All right. So connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. It's just Porch Talk on Facebook, and it is Porch Talk underscore one o one. On Instagram, we post videos, pictures, uh, different announcements, some of the things that we're up to, and just different projects and what we have going on. And so, just uh, just go ahead and go ahead and start doing that. Just start it, start it up, and 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 here we go again. Nope, nope, we're gonna pull through. So you hear what Jake is saying about how he trains for the fight. And what his focus is, it's not winning or losing. It's important. Nobody goes into anything looking to lose. Uh, why would you go? Unless you was making like a ton of money. I'd get it then. And losing it again. No, I'm going to come pull through. But the focus is on perfection. On himself. To make sure that when he is in that moment that he is as well prepared as he can possibly be. Because you can't control how hard the opponent trains. Uh, you can't control if maybe you got a little bit of a stomach bug the day the fight is. or There's things out of your control. So you, all you can do is put in your best effort and put all your money right there. And that's what you're going to know. And so if you haven't made your New Year resolution, that sounds like a pretty good one. Just uh, whatever that moment is or whatever that goal is or whatever it is that you're seeking to get out of this year, be perfect for it. Be ready. Boom. Inspirational talk. Here's notes. Here's an original song. Wrote this one over New Year's Eve, Christmas holidays for a singer-songwriter contest. Just wanted to share it here on the show. It's called Behind the Red of My Eyes. Um, There you go. Thanks, guys, for listening to Porch Talk. Peace!
Everybody's right when everyone is wrong Hung up in post-truth crisis Throwing lines out everywhere Yet in the end We want the same thing Yeah, we fudge our numbers And now there's no room for anything Behind the red I don't see so good But it'd be so much worse If I could If I could Oh, if I could So what's this between me and you? Will it remain? Or will my heart stay torn too? Love can be such a cruel game And what's sad is no one wins if it fails Behind the red of my eyes I don't see so good But it'd be so much worse if I could And I can't think straight much less carry any weight It all started with this ringing in my ears Ringing in my ears mm. obvious our common sense answer in plain sight but we turn our heads so we say we need more time yeah just to be sure opportunity passed us by and we'll never know the difference behind the red I don't see so good But it'd be so much worse If I could If I could If I could
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure.